So we are on um, a brand new sermon series today, and it is titled God First. Exactly. And I want to begin this series by talking to our first-time guests and talking to new people here at the bridge. Now, I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks, and look, try to keep your applause at a minimum when I say this. Just try to hook, and we don't have all the time in the world. I'm going to be talking about money. Thank you all for, thank you for keeping, y'all did just what I told you, and I appreciate it. Everybody just loves it. When is pastor going to preach on money? I want to hear more sermons about money. So we're going to, I'm here to meet the need. And so this message, this sermon series is for everybody. If you don't go to this church and you go to another church, then hear this message for your church, wherever you go. And if you're not in church and you're checking churches out and we're one of the ones you're checking out but you haven't decided on us yet, wherever you end up, wherever God puts you, because that's where we want you to be in church, where God wants you in church. Amen? And uh, we, we love our church and everybody ought to love their church. But God, it is not God's will for everybody to come here to the bridge. So wherever you end up, if it's here, then apply what you're going to hear today uh, to this church. But if you are going to end up somewhere else, apply it wherever you go. Okay? All right. So let's begin by talking to about two words, a uh, definition of two words, and they're big words, but they're words you probably already know the title or, or the uh, definition uh, for. And they are the words prominent and the words preeminent. Now, what's the title of our sermon series? God First. So, the question is, is God prominent in your life or is God preeminent in your life? Prominent means important. God is important or near the top of my priority list. I mean, God's really, really important to me. He's right up at the top. I mean, if I had a top 10, he'd be in it. That's one level of priority, one level of categorizing where God is in your life. But look at the next one. Preeminent means surpassing all others. Total superiority. So the question today is not if you're committed to God. I believe most of the people here today are committed to God. The question is, what is the level of your commitment? Is he prominent, important, near the top, or is he preeminent? Does he surpass everything else in your life? Have you put God first? Is he totally superior in your life? Is he is he just noticeable in your life from time to time? Or is he obvious, obviously first in your life? Now, here's the challenge I want to lay out in this sermon series. Here's what I believe. I believe most Christians today have given God prominence in their life, but they refuse to give him preeminent superiority. They battle in that area. I mean, I think God's really important 
to Christians today, most Christians, but I don't think most Christians today have given him superiority. The challenge of this sermon series is that we, that includes Pastor Farrell, so the challenge is to me as well, that we all make Jesus Christ, who is God, superior, preeminent, surpassing all others in our daily lives. So that's a challenge to me. That's a challenge to me. It begins right here. It begins right here. This is not me coming in here telling you what you need to do. This is me coming in here as God's mailman delivering a message to all of us. How many of you know the mailman gets letters from the IRS too? Amen? Okay. So, you know, nobody gets a, a letter that they don't like in the mail and then waits by the mailbox the next day to beat the mailman up because they know he didn't write the letter. They know he just delivered it. So we're all, we're all in this together. Pastor Farrell, Miss Millie is in this, and she is looking whew, so good today. Man. I'm afraid somebody's going to walk up to her one day and go, who is the old guy you walk around with all the time? Is that your daddy? All right. When Jesus is preeminent, not just prominent, but when Jesus is preeminent in our lives, it shows in every aspect of our life. Now, do you understand that you cannot categorize your life as a Christian and go, this part I commit to God, this part of my life I run myself. A lot of people do that. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you, it's our human nature to do it. Here's what we do a lot of times. We go, um, Sunday is about God. If I'm really spiritual, maybe Wednesday night is about God. If I'm super spiritual, I might even go to a small group, and that's about God. But, you know, stuff like my job and my vacation and, and you know, sports and going out with my family, going to a ball game, that really doesn't have anything to do with God. And see, that's not true. You are always a representative of God. You're always an ambassador. And I know some of y'all went to games yesterday and you didn't act like Christians, did you? You Carolina fans, when it was 21 to 7 yesterday, carnality, I've already heard from some fans, carnality was kicking in. Now, when you're a state fan, you expect that. <laughs> so we just hang in there until Jesus shows up and helps us win like he's done the last two weeks. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I would like to say, because I'll probably not be able to say this again the whole football season, the Wolfpack is undefeated right now. So is Carolina, so is Duke. But, <laughs> okay, so Jesus does not ask you to simply acknowledge him. It's not enough. Now, I know today I'm calling you to a higher level. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm calling me. God is calling us. God didn't say, Pharaoh, hey, man, I want you to acknowledge me. Just acknowledge me from time to time. Here's what Jesus said to me, and he said it to you. He said, I want you to take up your cross 
and follow me. I want full commitment. I want you to sell out to me. I want to be first in your life, not just noticeable. I want to be preeminent, not just prominent. Now, God laid down the principle of first, the principle of first, early in the scriptures with the first two human beings who ever lived. And what were their name? Adam. names? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. And um, God basically said to him, if you read the first three chapters of Genesis, God basically said to them, when I am preeminent in your life, not just prominent, but when I'm first place in your life, you're going to be blessed abundantly. Listen to this promise. And, and I kind of I kind of just took what God said to Adam and Eve and, and just put it in this little statement here. So this is my paraphrase. God said to them, when I'm preeminent in your life, you're going to be blessed abundantly. When I'm preeminent in your life, I will provide you with all that you need and more. But God said, if you decide that you're going to place anything above me, then the result of that is going to be great lack and loss in your life. So here's the equation. God first equals blessing. God less than first equals lack in your life and loss. God first equals blessing. God less than first equals lack and loss. So I'm going to give you a principle today. It's going to sound a little strange it's a little Old Testament-y, but uh, you're going to have a clear understanding, I believe, today if you'll listen carefully. Number one, so this is, you got your sermon notes there, you got your card. If you're filling in the blank, this is the first blank you're going to want to fill in on that card. And we left you a lot of space today uh, for notes, I believe. So the firstborn, the firstborn, because God talked about the principle of the firstborn in the Bible. He talked about the principle, and we'll look at this more next week, of first fruits. The principle of firsts. It is a principle that runs throughout the Bible. So let's talk about the firstborn. He said the firstborn must be sacrificed or it must be redeemed. Now let's go to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus. And uh, I know when, when I go to the Old Testament, there's always, you know, people out there who go, well, that's Old Testament. I mean, God worked out a different arrangement with us. This is just Old Testament. But let me tell you what Paul said about the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just write that on, on the edge of your notes there. Don't look it up now, but look it up when you get home. Paul was talking about the Old Testament. Now, 1 Corinthians is not in the Old Testament. It's in the... New Testament. And if you don't know where 1 Corinthians is in your Bible, it's right before 2 Corinthians. Exactly. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is talking about the Old Testament and he said, these things. When he said these things, he was talking about principles laid out in the Old Testament. He said the things in the Old Testament are examples of, that means, so I did a little word study on examples. It means warnings and admonitions. So these things in the Old Testament serve to us under the New Testament economy as warnings, admonitions, and example for us. So don't ever say again 
that that's Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is relevant, relevant, relevant. Every word of the Old Testament is relevant. You say, well, I was reading in Leviticus the other day, and I got to tell you, man, I don't think some of that stuff's relevant. Yes, it is. Here's what the Old Testament does. The Old Testament confirms the New Testament. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament tells us a Savior is coming. Here's what the Old Testament tells us. Can I just put it in Farrell Hardison, Wayne County, Johnston County language? Here's what the Old Testament says. It says, you messed it up. I'm sending a Savior to rescue you. That's what the Old Testament says. Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff, but generally, that's the message of the Old Testament. So how many of y'all would say, we need the Old Testament? Amen? So let's look at Exodus chapter 13. Uh, Exodus 13, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Charlton Heston. I'm just going to see if y'all are listening. The Lord said to Moses. Verse 2. Consecrate, that means give to me, dedicate to me, sell out to me. How much? All the firstborn. Hold on a second. Whatever is the, to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast. Who said, who said that? He wants what? The first. Now let's go to Exodus 13, and we're going to drop down to verse 12. You say, what about all those other verses in between? Well, they're good too, but I figured y'all didn't want to be here like three hours. So we're going to jump down to verse 12. And see, when I say it like that, y'all are like, yes, thank you, Jesus. So let's look at verse 12, Exodus 13. You shall... Set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, all the of your animals that are males shall be the first belongs to the Lord. That is an awesome hashtag tweet right there. The first always belongs to the Lord. The first belongs to the Lord. Now let's go to verse 13. How many? Every what? Of a donkey you shall. Now the donkey has to be redeemed with a. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Now I know y'all are thinking, is, Pastor, I just got a question. Is this like some dark side of God? where he likes to kill animals. I mean, if Peter knew about this, God would be in trouble. Listen, let's go back to what I said. Let's go back to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. Everything, how much? In the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb or if you will not redeem it, in other words, you will not obey me, it shall, you <clears throat> redeem it, you shall break its neck. That means, and this is important, 
That means when I tell you to do something with what I've given you and you don't do it because you want to keep it, you're going to lose it anyway. He says, so if you don't redeem it, if you don't do with it what I tell you, you're going to break its neck because that's the law. You're going to lose it anyway. Big, big application right there. So let's go on. Last sentence. Every of man shall your sons, uh, of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Okay. Now, how was a person to know if a firstborn animal, this is Old Testament stuff, if a firstborn animal in the Old Testament, how, were you, how did you know whether that animal needed to be redeemed or whether it needed to be sacrificed? How did we know that? So let me lay that out for you. Some of you already know this, you Bible scholars out there. Without going into major detail, because we don't want to be here till lunchtime, we actually have another service today. We want to make sure we're here for them. So without going into major detail, within God's Old Testament designation, animals were put in one of two categories. Do you all know what they are? Clean and unclean. Now the Jewish people were allowed to eat clean animals, but they were not allowed to eat unclean animals. Now whether an animal, animal was designated as clean or unclean, was based on a couple things. I'm not going to go into detail about them. I'm going to say a couple things. You young people probably aren't going to know what I'm talking about. You older people will know what I'm talking about. You can go home, look it up, do a little Bible study. If they chewed the cud, they were clean. If they had split hooves, they were clean. And here's the one I want you to look at closer. It looks like when you study the Scripture that whatever that animal ate determined if it was clean or unclean. Unclean animals ate things that if a human ate those things, it would either make him sick or her sick or it would kill them. And so God said, these are the unclean animals and these are the clean animals. Y'all with me? So if you had a clean animal, let's say you had a sheep, and what do you call a, a female sheep? Who knows? No, not me. <laughs> you call it a U, E-W-E, you call it a U. So, so when the female sheep had a baby, the first baby, that little lamb had to be offered to God, and it could be offered to God quickly because it was not unclean, but clean. Now, when an unclean animal gave birth for the first time, that animal had to be redeemed because it was not clean, but, and the way you redeemed an unclean animal was you offered in its place, what kind of animal? A clean animal. So you guys are already ahead of me. And so I know, again, this is Old Testament-y, and you're, you're, you probably got some questions, but I hope what it'll do is whet your appetite so you'll do some Bible study. So under God's Old Testament economy, the unclean animal, when it gave birth for the first time, that animal needed to be offered to God, but before it could be, it had to be redeemed. And it was redeemed by offering a clean animal to redeem it. 
in its place. Now, some of you are already helping me on the application of this, aren't you? So let me ask you a question about you. Were you born clean or unclean? Unclean. Now, we got proof of that. And the proof that we're all born unclean are your children. Because you do not have to teach them to be all about themselves, do you? You do not have to teach your children to be selfish, do you? How many times have you known a toddler to wake up in the middle of the night, you know, maybe they had a little accident in the middle of the night, they wake up, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. How many of you known a little baby or a little toddler to go, you know something, before I scream out, my mom worked so hard yesterday cleaning the house. My dad's kind of a jerk, so she has to put up with him. And I just watched her yesterday slave and cook. So I'm going to just lay here. And about 9 o'clock, after mom gets her rest, I'm going to just yell out and say, Mom, got a little issue in here. Have y'all ever had one of your kids do that? No, the minute they're uncomfortable, they're like, get in here now. Bring powder. Bring that creamy stuff. I want a lot of that now. Isn't that right? <laughs> Do you have to teach your child to look at your other child and go, that is mine? Do you have to teach your child to go up to any child and go, That is mine. No, you don't, because we're all born unclean. Hosea says we're born bent toward evil. We're born with a sin nature. We're born lost. We're born cut off from God, and we need a redeemer. We need a redeemer. We need a savior. So let me ask you this question. I know this is kind of like kids' church stuff, but let's just get it nailed down again. Was Jesus born clean or Unclean. He was born clean. So here's the deal. The clean Jesus had to be sacrificed. So the unclean us could be redeemed. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And I know you know that. And but you know, it's, this is kind of a fresh way of looking at it today, and we get a renewed appreciation. So this is what Exodus 13 is all about. The Old Testament passage here points to our Messiah. This Old Testament passage points to our Savior. It points to our Redeemer. He's our Redeemer. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. And i got to tell you something else. Once you are saved and you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, good works don't determine if you're still his child or not. You are redeemed. You are saved by a free gift of grace. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. So this whole sermon series is going to be about Farrell Hardison and Millie. So I'm going to put us at the top giving 
our all to God, that he is not just prominent in our lives, but he's preeminent in our lives, that he gets the first part. We give him the first part. Jesus the clean had to be sacrificed first. Then he could be redeemed. I want you to think about this. God gave Jesus before any of us were interested in God. He didn't wait and go, well, I want to just see if they have any interest in me. I'm going to just wait. I'm going to see if they'll come to me. I'm going to see if they'll come and beg for a redeemer. I'm going to just wait. I mean, they blew this whole thing. And if they really come to me and they cry out and they plead, then I might send a redeemer. I might send my son Jesus. To t- he sent Jesus when? First. Before any of us knew God, Jesus was sent you know what? And you may have never heard what I'm about to say, but I believe this. In a sense, Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. We say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? He didn't give Jesus because we deserved. He gave Jesus in hope that we would believe. He gave Jesus in faith that man would then turn around and see the love and see the gift and then give his life back to God. God the Father gave Jesus first. I am so glad he didn't wait till I proved myself before he gave his son. Here's what the Bible says about that. Here, here's the scripture on that. And I didn't write the reference down because you all know this scripture and you can look up the reference later. But here's the scripture that goes with what I just said. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. When we cared nothing about him, when we cared nothing, when we had no intention of following him, when God was the last thing on our mind, when we weren't even in existence yet, God gave his son to die for us. Here's what I'm saying to you. I'm telling you today we need to give God our first, and I'm telling you God is an example to us because he gave first to redeem us. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for that. So if you had a sheep back in the Old Testament days and, and that animal was uh, clean, I mean, you had a lamb and you were to offer when that lamb was born, you offered that to God, you offered it to God. And then if um, you had an um, unclean animal who had a firstborn, You had to redeem it by offering a clean animal in its place, just like Jesus died in our place for us. But here's the deal. The reason that you always gave God, when that animal gave birth to an animal and then you offered it as a sacrifice, here's the whole principle behind that. Here's what God's saying. If you will give me the first, I will bless the rest. If you will give me the first, if you'll give me the firstborn from that lamb, I will bless the rest of the offspring. As a matter of fact, we're talking about livestock here. 
Do you know that when the Bible talked about wealth, it always talked about how much livestock they had? You know, Abraham, this proves that uh, you can be a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, and be wealthy. It is more difficult because our flesh yearns for that. But you can still be wealthy and be a dedicated man or woman of God. And when the Bible describes Abraham's wealth, it talks about the animals. It talks about the livestock they had. Job was a very, very wealthy man. Y'all read the book of Job? And Job was a very, very wealthy man. And Job lost it all. But Job was very, very wealthy. And because he stayed faithful to God, how much did he end up with? Twice as much in the end as he had in the beginning. And when Job's wealth is described, it is described in terms of the animals that he owned. Do y'all remember in the story of the, um, in the Old Test New Testament rather, when there was an invitation sent out to come to a banquet and they gave excuses why they couldn't come to the banquet? The only one that had a really good excuse was the one who said, I just got married. That's a joke right there. <laughs> My hands are full right now. And so he, he didn't, so, so one of them said, one of them said, I can't come because I just bought oxen and I need to go look at them. And I was listening to a preacher preach on that not long ago, and he said oxen back in that day, if you owned a bunch of oxen, it just showed that you were very wealthy. He said it was like owning a fleet of Mercedes Benz. So that's why God in the Old Testament put so much emphasis on livestock because it was the material blessing. It, it showed the material blessing of that person. And God said, if you want me to bless the rest of your stuff, give me the first part of your stuff. Give me the first. Um, a lot of people will come up to you, you know, people study the Bible. They, they love to just study the Bible enough to try to catch us off guard as Christians. And I get this question from people who just think they got me sometimes, you know. And they go, hey, uh, y'all uh, honored the Sabbath day? I said, yeah, we, we do that. Well, you know, Sunday's not the Sabbath. And I'm like, whoa, time out. Really? Where's the calendar? I know that. I know Sunday's not the Sabbath. What day is the Sabbath? Saturday. Saturday. So they want to try to trick you up, and they think they got you, you know. Well, here's the answer to why we have church on Sunday. Y'all want to know why we have church on Sunday? Because Sunday isn't the last day of the week. It's the... And this all came from the idea, a couple of reasons. Number one, Jesus rose from the dead on a... Sunday, and so, and so that tradition was established that in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, we would have church on Sunday. The other reason we have church on Sunday is because of the principle of first. It is believed, because they read the Bible, that if you give God the first day, he will bless the rest. I'm going to challenge you on this. When you get up in the morning, give him the first part of the day. You say, I gave him the first part of the day, and it was bad. <laughs> the rest of the day was bad. I want to go ahead and say that before somebody came up to the altar and went, I got a deal on that first of the I understand that, but you know what? You still gave that to him, and through all that bad, he never left you. He never forsake, for, forsook you. 
He stayed right there with you and walked you through it and you survived it. Give God the first day of the week, Sunday. You say, well, sometimes I go to church on Thursday. Well, give him that. Then rest on Sunday. That's fine. And then, and then give him the first part of the day. And then when it comes to your giving financially, this is where it hurts. This is where it stings. This is where we push back because we don't mind giving him the first part of the day. We don't mind giving him the first part of the week. But we want to give other people the first part of our money. And that's why we are giving you, we want to help you. We believe it's our responsibility as a church to help you get in a position where you can obey God in your finances because we know if you will give him the first part, he will bless. And we want you to, we want you to get that. And we want you to enjoy that. So if you come up to me and say, well, I really believe that and I see that in the Bible, and man, you laid that out great, but I can't afford it, I'm going to go, booyah. <laughs> so we're going to help you. Because we believe if we can get you in a place as a church, if we can get you connected with training that's going to help you get out of debt and get to a place where you can fully obey God, then we know God's going to bless the rest.